This is A.R. Farina, writer of the Austin Chronicles, and you're listening to Genuine Chit Chat. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week, I'm joined by author, educator, podcaster, and one of my good friends, Tony Farina. You may recognize Tony because I've done numerous podcasts with him before, some on his podcast, some on mine, some on the feed of Comics in Motion, but also he was on the Buffy podcast that I did at the tail end of 2023, and there's plenty more podcasts with Tony to come in the future, some with other people, some just myself, but in this conversation in particular, we didn't have a specific plan, we just wanted to chat for two hours. So we spoke about a wide variety of topics, as noted in the description, like the monarchy and Christianity and the concept of always recording everything you're doing and music and all kinds of other stuff, but you don't need to have any prior knowledge to anything in this conversation to enjoy it. In addition, in the description, there's plenty of stuff that myself and Tony discussed over the course of the conversation, including like books, podcasts, and music, and all kinds of other stuff that Tony mentioned. In addition, he released a book called Welcome to Mansfield, which is a young adult adaptation of one of the Jane Austen novels, Mansfield Park, and it's in a shared Jane Austen universe called the Austen Chronicles. I've never been a fan of Jane Austen, I haven't really consumed any of her content, but I read the book and it's absolutely fantastic, so I hugely recommend people go and check that out, especially if you're an avid reader. Now this is part one of the conversation, so part two will be out on this feed next week. Also, the full video version of both parts will be out at youtube.com slash genuinechitschat next week as well. But if you can't wait that long and you want to support the show, go over to patreon.com slash genuinechitschat, give as little as £1 a month, and you'll get instant access to the RSS feed, which has all of the episodes of Afterthoughts on there. There's over 200 bonus episodes that you can't listen to anywhere else. But also you get the unsplit episodes of Genuine Chit Chat, including this one when part one airs. But that's enough for me here at the start, my friends. So just thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you stick around to the end so I can give you more information on what's to come on Genuine Chit Chat. Please support Tony where you can, and I hope you enjoy this conversation. So without further ado, here is Tony Farina, also known by his pen name, AR Farina. Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. And I'm your host, Mike Burton. will be the genuine chit chat after the after hours because that's the stuff we don't want everybody to hear yeah that's not the stuff everything. that could get us fired <laughs> not everything that i say of any slight importance is recorded uh speaking of i which, mean i have started recording but <laughs> I, I i saw that but i'm saying like i understand that did you ever read the circle dave mm. eggers the circle or see the film the film's <laughs> shitty. But the idea in there is there's like uh, the main character, May, she goes like totally transparent. Right. And um, and so like there's a, it's very reminiscent of 1984 and there's like the slogan sharing is caring. Right. And if you don't, so she goes out late at night and like gets caught like kayaking and her boss like late at night, she like bar- steel borrows a kayak and she goes kayaking and she gets busted and her boss calls her and she thinks she's going to get fired and her boss is like, not mad that she got arrested, but he's mad because she didn't record it. She's right. like, my son's in a wheelchair. What if he wanted to experience what it was like to be in the kayak? You were being selfish. So like, <laughs> true. It's totally true. So she like totally goes totally transparent where her whole life is. It's like reality TV, but real reality TV, like totally on, like she's even got a timer of how long she's allowed to be in the bathroom to not be transparent because that's the only time of day they don't see her. It's silly. So but it's the a reverse Truman Show, like the like Truman Show, but with consent. Con- well, right, and then it's you have to decide. That's part of the conversation in the circle. Is yeah. is it consent? Is it informed consent, or is it like your job? Yeah, yeah. Like there's that slippery slope in a way of like 
how much are you willing to give up for X? But then it's like when when the thing that you're being offered is like hard to refuse, and then when does it become borderlining blackmail? Because if I say do this thing for me or I'll kill your family, you're like whoa, that's blackmail. But right. if I say do this thing and I'll give you a million dollars, it's like well, it goes right. into like the territory of the horrible monster that is Harvey Weinstein, things like that, where you're like right this. You are. What are you? What is the thing that you're asking for? What's the intent behind it? And what what are you giving? And it's kind of it's a kind of equation one almost has to do. Right. And what is your limit? And I think that's something everybody has to has to do. Like you know, we were talking a little off, off air, and I won't get into the full specifics. But you know, like there's always those moments at work or in life or whatever where you have to like make a decision. Like, are, what are you willing to say? Like, if I say this, will I lose my job? If I make this stand what are the ultimate repercussions and then you have to always have to ask yourself like well can i sleep at night mm-hmm. if i and you know and that's that changes as you age too right you know like what you're willing to do or not do at 18 or 20 like you know how many people who were on the real world or who are on reality tv or on you know temptation island or whatever the shit that chris and dave watch <laughs> how many of those people as a like now and they were adult adults i mean all those shows you got to be a consenting adult to be on there but how many of them at 50 are like man i'm so glad i was on temptation island or whatever well i can tell you for certain i'm glad i wasn't at that age because i i started releasing digital content um in college i it was a, mm-hmm. a, a youtube channel called visual digest and we've hidden pretty much everything on there now apart from like the odd thing but yeah. it's it's something my me and my buddy reese did um during college reese and the very first guest on genuine very first guest and hundredth as hundredth. well and he was yeah. in a few in the in between as well he pops up of neve well, he's got kids now so it's not as easy to just yeah. you know when we're, when we're living in, doesn't he live in wales too? no his his dad's from wales but it's oh, a good okay. he's okay. been he, he has been to and for wales quite a lot of times because his yeah. dad lives there and things and it's only a three-hour yeah drive-ish uh, but obviously where he's that was years ago when i started the pod you know six odd years ago so it's like back then we lived together so it's very easy to be like easy. i'm starting right. a podcast do you just want to come out your room for like an hour and then go yeah. back in whereas now it's like you have two children right. <laughs> and a whole life you know what hence why certain do. guests of mine um, earlier on on the pod just haven't come up again it's like sure not because of my there's any issue with them it's because their life has just changed slightly and that's completely yeah. fine. And when I hang out with them, I don't necessarily want it to always be recorded. Um, but it's, it's funny because me and Megan often, it's really funny with Megan because she often will say like, oh, I am, um, I don't want to do a podcast. I don't really fancy doing an afterthoughts on that movie or uh, not tonight. I'm a bit tired. And sometimes I'll, I'd be like, come on, do it. Go on. We'll just get it over and done with. And then, when she's on air, she loves it. Like she talks, yeah. like especially when it's the two of us, and she talks, and she's like, "Oh, I'm, I'm really tired. I want to end this." But here's a quick, like eight minute anecdote on teaching on a review yeah, film review. I love that, it. Where we only were doing a film review for six minutes, which is right. fine. I love it. But like with, with things like that, she's getting more into it. And like we're doing Clone Wars conversations, and we recorded one recently. And she had to leave after half hour. Um, and then she was like, oh, I really, I, I, it's really annoying. I did that. And same with like, cause she, she had a really busy day at work and stuff. And then also because she was ill, she couldn't, uh, see, do the pod with Jack for Nomeo and Juliet. And now she's like, not like genuinely upset, like it's ruined a day, but she's like, oh, I really actually wanted to do that stuff. Yeah. And it's this little thing where occasionally the topic comes up where we're having a conversation. It was like, oh, it would have been good if we, if we were recording that, if or yeah. we do that, we sing little songs like Megan's quite, you know, sings a lot. I sing quite a lot as well. Not as often on afterthoughts on my patreon as much because i'm not the best singer but she's a really good singer uh she's she doing harmonies and things and so like with that it's there's little songs we do and it's like oh if we'd have recorded that and we've got like a ring camera in our lounge um which is for our dog willow because you know when we go out we can keep an eye on her in case of uh, anything and 
some there's been the odd thing we've got on that. We're like, oh, that's cool. We'll save that somewhere. But most of the time, we just we normally record in a different room. So it's like there's certain things that just come up, and we're like, oh, would have would be cool to record that. But there's like a whole Black Mirror episode about recording I, everything, and that becomes. I'm a bit, sure. I, I should. Probably, I, I you know I. I I've not watched a ton of Black Mirror. It's kind of one of those I've things not where seen I've, all of it. I've come to go. And I know, I know uh, Scott and Julian are yeah, yeah. going through them all. Yeah, you know, it, it is interesting though. Max and I were just were just talking about this. Um, he and I were texting each other back and forth, random lyrics of a House of Pain song, mm-hmm. and uh, and then we both got stuck on the. We're like, oh shit, what comes next? And um, and then you know, so then we were talking about how some of those cringy lyrics, if you've ever heard "Jump Around" by House of Pain, and uh, there's some pretty cringy lyrics in there. And so then, um. I I sent him the bitmoji of like the the little me holding like the yellow face with the straight line over my face, like the embarrassed face. And I was like, one hundred percent. At some point in time, I sang every word to this song aloud in public somewhere, jumping at a party or whatever. And he's like, "Oh man, I need video of that." And I was like, "But this came out in '92. I was in college. I was at university, as you guys are saying." I'm like, "We didn't do that." Like, I, and then I realized like my whole college career. I maybe have 10 pictures total of my whole time at university. And I lived there. I lived on campuses res- in America. You know, most of your campuses are residential. So it was like my home for four years. And then honestly, even once I had the kids, I hardly took any pictures because film was expensive. It just wasn't something you could do. I couldn't, I didn't like have money to whip around. And then as technology changed, it got better. And then when I got together with Lee, you know, and the kids were a little bit older by that. So there's a lot more pictures of them once Lee got, came into our lives because she had a digital camera and that always helped. And, you know, you spend the money on a really good digital camera and then you get the little removable cards. You could get a shit ton. Um, and she just cares more about that stuff. So it's nice though, because like pictures we have around only exist because of her. And then, so Max and I were saying, and again, no shade at our kids or you millennial, but like, <laughs> I said to him, and like in the time that it t- took us, and Max is, you know, about what, 10 years younger than me, 10 years older than you. Like he's probably right between us, but he's like, uh, I said, at the time that you and I sat here and texted Max, our kids, because, you know, he's got what, four, three step, and, and I, you know, and we, we've got five. I'm like, they took more pictures just while we're not of, of themselves while we were talking than we ever took pictures of ourselves in our whole life. Right. And again, it's so it's just, it's, and again, they don't mean, it, it's just what it is. Like you guys, your camera's on the phone. It's just what you know. It's easy to do. It doesn't take up any space. You don't have to think about what it costs. And 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 most of the time, you don't even look back at it at all. So it's like you're recording your life all the time, even though you're not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but it's just because it's easy to do. And I don't know. It's I because I'm not. I'm not a big fan. I don't want to look at myself. I don't like have a lot of pictures of myself around. So I mean, the thing I look at myself is our drawing our comic book drawing i have the original like the original was sent to me sam well, sent it to me i've got i've got mine in a frame because i read so, i'll grab mine so you've wow that's brilliant amazing so i've just got it here it's tiny i've got the original this is the that's one so cool sam touched it and sent it to me this is it that's so amazing yeah because he I've drew got it by hand yeah that that's incredible yeah mine mine i've been looking at mine for the last like year or two in that frame behind yeah. where the stuff is but literally because i was saying off off air like when i changed um when i added another screen i yeah. now need to wall mount these like above i've got like a, an area here so i'm gonna put them on the wall so i can always see them because there's just no sure. longer any space behind there yeah but but i mean it's funny though photos you say because i know what you mean and even when i see certain people who are younger than me who take photos it's it's normally a phase it's it's kind of 
it goes in waves because I found when I first got a camera phone, that was, I mean, camera phones when I first got them, when I was about 13, I think, I got like a Nokia phone because it was just, that was around the age where I stopped going to someone's house after school for mum to pick me up, like a childminder sort of thing. Um, and I started walking home by myself. So my parents were like, well, now that you've got your freedom, you're 13, you'd go to town with your friends, whatever, and like in, on a Saturday daytime, whatever, you're going to, pro- just in case for emergencies. And then it wasn't until I got to college, so I was like 16-ish, that I got a smartphone, which is still nowhere near as good as the ones now, but it had a it had a camera that wasn't atrocious. Like a camera where you take a photo and you could actually print it, not as some yeah. sort of abstract 8-bit piece. You know, it actually looks like something. Um and when that happened, I think that when I first got it, I was like, first of everything, everything that moves. Oh my God. It's because I used, my parents had a digital camera and a film camera and it got stolen. Oh. Um, some broke in our house and stole a bunch of electronics and stuff. And about six years of family memories on a Christina video camera and a digital camera were gone. Right. Because um, they didn't, they weren't removed. Yeah. This SD card they're, or the film wasn't as- removed. Yeah. 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 So it was, it was just gone. And yeah, exactly. And it's funny because I, I bleached my hair. I agree. I bleached my hair blonde for like a, a small... I bleached my hair completely blonde once when I was in uh, school, when I was like 14. And that's one of the time periods in the space it's taken. So there's there's one or two photos of me that exist where I've got blonde hair that you can nice. see. Bright blonde. I used to be called bleach um, at school. Bleach. Um, which is, yeah, yes. exactly. Um, so with the camera... That thing, was the though, joke. What does Snoop Dogg use to... to- White in his whites. Yeah, bleach. Yeah, nice. that's right. Yeah. yeah. Good. <laughs> um, but like with those cameras and things, like I, my, when we go on holiday, my mum would always take a camera, a digital camera, to make sure we get photos of stuff. You know, and I'm so glad she did because obviously when dad got ill and stuff, we've got quite a few photos of me and dad when I was younger and before he got ill and et cetera. But like, then I went for a phase where I wouldn't take photos of anything for ages. It was like when I moved out, I think when I was like 1920 ish. Uh, not in the 1920s. I'm not quite that old. Uh, when I was amazing. 19 or 20 years old. You look great. We I were know. talking about you aging rapidly. So yeah, that well, is obviously a secret from Tonya, actually. Yeah, because she's, you know, vampire. She's got, queen she gave has been the vampire blood. Yeah. Living for like, you know, millennia. And she just yeah. gave me a tiny trickle of the power. Um, no, so when I was 19 um, and I moved out and stuff like that, there was a period of time where I lived with Reese and uh, my mate Callum, who's also been on the pod. And we lived together for a couple of years and it was like the party time of our lives. We had a big house and we would like that we rented and have people over and have parties all the time. And there were, apart from like the odd photo that I would force people to take when I have a party, I'm like, right, everyone's going to hate it because no one likes taking photos at the time of the photo. But then you're so happy you've got one later on. So when there's a big group, I'd be like, right, it's, it's mandatory photo. Everyone get in it. You know, I was like, if you act, if there's a genuine reason you really don't want to be seen at this party or anything like that but you know parents whatever i'm not going to force force anyone but everyone you know stop the music it's my house i can you know come in here the main part of the room you know we'll all do shots of stuff after just hit one photo please and that's it and because i've done those things i've got periods of time in my life where i've just got the odd one or two event photos like when me and megan go abroad we take loads of photos of holiday stuff and i normally look through them when i get home and delete 90 percent of them but it is nice, I think especially when family members pass away or when situations change that you can fall back on some of those things. like some, Or just like certain things that you may not actually remember that well. Like the house, this house we have, we um, we sold out the garden. It was like rubbish. There was just loads and loads of stones and stuff. So we dug it all up, moved all the stones out the front and then proper with a pickaxe and everything, dug up all the ground and put more soil and stuff in it and then grew our own grass and stuff. And we did that in like a day or so. 
And it's not something I occasionally forget we even did it because it's we did it so soon after getting the house. But we've got pictures of me and Megan and our friend Matt swinging a pickaxe. And so there's little moments like that. I'm like, I almost feel like a certain event, social or otherwise, it's good to take your phone out to take a couple of photos like over maybe a five minute period. And then you put it away and then you're done. Because I had so many times where I just wouldn't take any photos. And I've got times where I saw friends I hadn't seen in ages, but I was so enthralled in seeing them. Like when I saw Scott, you know, Scott Weatherly, 20th Century Geek, when I went up to, um, I went, I was going somewhere with Megan. And so we met him near where he lives, met Acosta. And we were chatting for like an hour and a half. It was great to see him in person. I didn't take a photo. I just completely forgot. And it's just like, oh, of all the, of all the times, you're muted. This was, your microphone's just died. How about that? Oh, there you go. Now you got it. Boo, wow. sorry. Now that you have was... to edit. Leave it in. But my yeah. favorite thing is like when you do, um, like, so I just went to a show and I generally, when I go to a show, go to a concert, I don't gig, as you guys say. I don't, I always think like the gig is for the people in the band. Like you're in, <laughs> at, you're in you have a gig as opposed to like at a gig. I know it's, it's silly. <laughs> but anyway, both like you go to a show and half the time it's like this. It's just the people are like yeah. they're holding their phones up. This is my phone. They're holding their phone up the whole time. And it's like, hey, you're at the thing. Like they're life size up there. <laughs> the right there's the band. Why do you want to watch them through here? And then you're never gonna watch that video again. Now, normally I don't even pull it out, but I did because because I knew Max. I, I went and saw Tesla, uh, Junior Price's favorite band. And so I went and saw Tesla, having never saw them myself before. Um, so I knew Max wanted to get some video. So I did, but the opening act, and I sent some to Max, but the opening act sucked so much that I took some <laughs> video of the really crappy opening act. Cause it's just like, as it, I didn't post it, I'm not like here to publicly shame him. I'm no, not even no. going to say his name, but he was really, really bad. Um, cause he would talk, right. He would talk and he'd just be like us talking and he, and everything was like, Ugh! talk i could understand him and then the song would start and the auto tune would come over and it was like terrible it wasn't even rap metal it was like rap like rapping hard rock it was awful um and the band was fine the band was a serviceable rock band but the singer songwriter he was like everything was the first whatever this is the first blah 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 this is the first blah like they all can't be the first thing that you did so i did take just like but again like Three minutes, two minutes, because he sucked so much. I even sent it to Lee. I was like, oh my God, this is the opening act. He's terrible. Um, we should form a band and just go on the road because if this guy can open for Tesla. But again, it's always like, did they pick him? So they're like, oh my God, Tesla's so much better than I thought. His voice sounds <laughs> great. God, he's, you know, all those years of smoking didn't ruin Jeff's voice at all. Whatever. <laughs> but then they came out. I played a couple, like this clip here, clip here, sent it, and then was done. But like when I went and saw They May Be Giants, the last couple of times, the phone never even leaves the pocket. Like, it's just not what I do. And when Lee and I would, would go to places, we would like do like, when I saw um, Mystery Science Theater 3000 did a tour, and it was Joel's last tour. So I got a picture of Joel coming out at the beginning. Because I'm there. Like, I, I would like to see you. I'm paying money to see the thing. Not like if I want to just watch a shaky YouTube cam, I'll just watch it at home on YouTube with somebody <laughs> yeah. else shaking shake, shake YouTube cam, right? With I someone don't, else singing. Right. Was that, that's always the best, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so it, it is almost, um, it, it, it is, it is, there's a, there was a book called The Future of Us and it's Jay Asher and I can't remember who co-wrote it with him, but it was a young adult book and it was written, I don't know, maybe like 2012-ish. And so it's like the internet is still sort of a baby. 
Um, you know, I mean, it, it, people have it. It's more ubiquitous. People are on there. People are on Facebook or whatever. But it takes place. It's a it's a science fiction book where the where they, these kids get an AOL disc, like they put the AOL disc and they get the free internet and they log into the future. Wow. And they discover and they're like, because you know when you, you figure out when the internet first when you first get the internet, nineteen ninety nine, two thousand, two thousand one, whenever you first get your home internet, two thousand and five, even maybe, you're like. The internet's important, right? And so if you're on the internet, it's news, it's college, it's something. It's a band. You're a band. You've made a video. But like, you know, by the time everybody has a Facebook page, one of the lines is, are we famous in the future? Why are we on the internet? Like they don't understand. So it's like this whole deconstruction of their relationship through future social media. There's a really clever book because, you know, they're really good friends now. And then like the things that they do, in their moment and it's very back to the future frequency or whatever, you know, like whatever they do in their moment is changing their social media presence in the future. Mm, I see. But like just their perspective at the time of like, you know, you get online for like eight minutes. <laughs> <laughs> then your parents are like, get off the phone. And that's it. That's all the time you have. You know what I mean? Yep. I was I, an adult. I, I, so I, I was that. the one. I, telling, I remembered. Yeah. Me. Having yeah. that exact experience. Exactly. So anyway, so it's, it's, it's I get it though. I mean, we're on the internet. This will be on the internet. Podcasts exist because of the internet. Like we're radio people now. Mm. Like everybody's got a radio show. I always call, I call podcast shows, right? It is like indie radio. And I call, and I wasn't radio. I did radio in college. Um, I call this a show. Like I say, this is a show. I'm going to do a show on my, on my calendar. It says I'm going to do a show. Got a show today. Lee calls it a show, but there's other people like you called, you know, like friend of the pod, friend of the pod. Um, thing but one of the groups then one of the discords i'm in with the cover to credits show the podcast i like um where it's a librarian and her husband and they read books and then watch the movie i, t- mm-hmm. I mentioned it in the thousandth show whether this comes out before or after that this will be before um, this is coming out like this weekend so this is okay so yeah straight so out. um so cover to credit but anyway so i always say like one of the questions i ask them is like well what's your favorite show and they're like what show I'm like your show the show that you do every two weeks they're like oh we don't think of it as a show it's a podcast I think it was like episodes. I say, if you said, what's your favorite show? I'd be like Parks and Recreation, I guess. Yeah. Okay. I see. see. But if you say, what's your favorite podcast show? I'd be like, Uh you can just say podcast, but it's weird because podcast is simultaneously this genuine chit chat as a podcast. Yes. What we're recording right now as a podcast. I have 500 uh, odd releases of podcasts. Yeah, and it's like, what's your, if you said to me, "What's your favorite podcast?" I'd I, yeah. I'd either say to you, you know, Comics Emotion Network or whatever, yeah. you know, what I listen to the most, or I'd say my personal favorite podcast I did was this one. You know what I mean? Like, sure. You don't call them individual ones. You don't call them shows. I, show for me is genuine chit chat is a show I do. But Got it. If I if I say to someone, "Oh, I have I have an internet show," they'd be like, "Okay, is that YouTube is that this is that right?" Whereas I if I say saying. podcast, it's like it, it indicates it is a primarily audio with potential video whereas i think that's the show a download in general that's is not like, live yeah either. i think show for me insinuates visual element being hmm. the priority i guess sure. yeah words are fun they are the reason I mean, we yeah. were talking about the whole the weird thing with calendars that in america yeah, oh my god what the fuck what man? The, uh, how your calendars okay so start... wait, if you get out your phone yeah okay yeah, yeah. on your phone your calendar on your phone like i'm gonna pull out my monthly calendar on my phone Hold, let me yeah. get a month where are you month Sunday. No, mine starts. Uh, where is it? Mine starts Monday. There, there I do. That's the default. Yeah, 
It's because it's the right thing to do. It's only at 16%. Uh, No, I know. It's, um, I've been charging it. This is incorrect. This is what the default is. So we wrote, because Lee Lee said to ask. So I've asked. Nonsense. I'll tell her. I don't understand how anyone, and sorry for any listeners um, who can hear me and see me on YouTube uh, wiping my nose. I've got a bit of a cold. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, here's the thing though. This month started on a Monday. So ultimate satisfaction. The thing is, is, you know, I'm fine with a lot of the differences we have of America and England. You guys do certain things way better. I think Ladybug makes far more sense than Ladybird. Cotton candy sounds far more appealing than candy floss. But the thing is... 100% candy floss. Yeah, that sucks ass. Why would you do that? And you can't even floss with it. It's literally not that consistency. It doesn't make no no sense. But... The, the Sunday thing is a hill I'll die on because the Sunday is a part of the weekend. The weekend is only two days and maybe arguably part of Friday. You can't have a day in the weekend, which also represents the start of the week, when the working week also starts on Monday. That does, there's no... The only reason one could argue that, and I think it's probably why America does it, is because where Sunday was classed as essentially the day of rest, so it was Jesus almost day. like because yeah, of Jesus. It's almost yeah. like Monday to Saturday are all work days, and Sunday's the one day that you kind you of get to do what week, you want. You start your week with Jesus, or that, or it's kind of like, hey, let's start start the week with the rest or with Jesus yeah. rest. It's it's that's why I imagine it is. I mean, we historically are. Know. It's weird because Britain is historically more of a christian country in a lot of ways because well, christian well, and catholic because we literally created religion well, yeah we basically went hey we see what you're doing over there uh romans and in europe we what we're gonna do that. is we're gonna carve bits of i would say we henry the eighth did it basically by himself um yeah. he carved a bit of it out and then went, you see these two bits are almost identical it's slight tweaks just to adhere to my, yeah. my lifestyle and then it it's was like all about him yeah christianity Divine right of kings yeah yeah and you it think is insane it's just not that godly surprisingly well because when you're but the reason you're not is because of what you just described it. Like, on paper, you all know that your king was like, oh, Rome, France, you papists, as you would call, as they would call them, the papists. That was always the big problem with Mary, right? Queen of Scots, is she was a papist. And what are we going to do? And she, like, had to, like, decry being Catholic. And that's part of what kept her from being queen, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Mary, Queen of Scots, did all the right things. But, like, Elizabeth, who was the queen... Elizabeth the first, who's a badass, who, by the way, good choice. I, you know, no offense to Mary Queen Scott. She's super cool too. But like, I mean, Elizabeth the first, total badass. We didn't Glad choose her to, cl- to clarify. That's but the whole thing of the monarchy. Chosen. No, no, no. They could have picked Mary on paper. Mary Queen of Scots on paper had the right to the throne. But right. because she was raised in France and she was married to the French, she was a papist. And they were like, we don't want that. Like she had to like denounce her Catholicism. And that's ultimately what kept her from being the queen of the of of England, queen of the UK, was because she was Catholic. So it's like on paper, everybody's like, "Oh wait, wait, wait!" So the so the bastard daughter of the guy who changed the religion to the Anglican Church, like it's that close. Like her dad's the one who did it, but you, that was the hill you were going to die on. You're like, we could just undo this and go back to being Catholics. It was just like eight minutes ago. <laughs> but we would rather have the bastard daughter and you know like being a bastard in england is a big deal and mm. elizabeth you know is i mean I, again i think you guys made the right choice she's a badass historically badass she defeat you know she was responsible for the defeating of the spanish armada good on her she's awesome i'm glad you guys picked her no offense no shade to all the scott heads out there but what i'm saying is um <laughs> It's all garbage. So you just argued it right there because you're like, well, he's just like, I just didn't like this because it's my life. So I'm just going to make a whole new thing that God said. Hmm. No, you said, Hank, it was you, pal. You were like, 
none of these ladies are giving me boys. And then ultimately, his youngest daughter has <laughs> and she doesn't have children or get married. Love it. Also, the, ir- about it. the irony is I'm, I'm fairly certain that the sperm is the determining factor of the gender of the child. One hundred percent. Yes. So the irony of King Henry VIII is it's it was it's him. no one's fault because you can't choose those kind of things. But if it is anyone's fault and you're going to put blame on anyone, you have to actually blame yourself, put which is the biggest him. irony. Yeah. He basically yeah. split the entire like you know Catholicism and Christianity make up. That, well, it's it's hard to I know there is quantifiable there's numbers but it's basically one of the most popular religions on the planet is Catholicism slash Christianity and it's yeah, funny sure. that he put one of the biggest wedges amidst those two religions in history I know there've been countless other religious wars on behalf of Christianity etc but he basically did put the biggest wedge in that basically because he couldn't have children of a gender and he wasn't and he didn't know it was his own fault so he was blaming someone else so the biggest change in religion in the last like 400 years excluding new religions that have emerged yeah. is all because of a guy blaming someone else for his faulty sperm and i say faulty Wait, loosely you're saying the patriarchy is is a small-minded and stupid it's a what? small from a small-minded stupid white guy with too much power and privilege. shocking what? that doesn't the patriarchy no the patriarchy that that, doesn't that is strange this no. is this episode this part of the episode brought to you by the feminine the collective, collective. <laughs> yes no as as but we are both feminists though mm. so that's fine like i am i mean i was a women's studies minor you know in college undergrad and my undergrad I mean, my you university know more about women's studies and you know more know more about british history than i do by this conversation <laughs> so most of what i know about the monarchy is from the crown and i have to double check and fact check that after most each episode of it, yeah, you do have to like we do yeah. that too we watch like i've not watched the final season yet but we because you know we lived i mean i really have enjoyed that show and i, I think the middle the middle cast is my favorite okay yeah uh, well uh, the margaret thatcher series is my favorite season I think Gillian Anderson is oh, just But that was phenomenal. still Olivia Coleman. Yeah, yeah. And that was that yeah. group. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Megan's favorite's um, Claire Foy, but I love all three. I mean, I reasons. think Claire Foy was spectacular and having Lithgow was awesome. Mm. And, and the woman who played Margaret, I mean, that's the thing. Like, Margaret's always the star. So it's like, yeah. you and the woman, I can't even think of who played Margaret in the first two. She was great. And then, you, but you bring Helena Bonham Carter Ooh, in. Who's one of my favorite people on the planet. And I have a completely unashamed crush on her. And I always have. She and always will. crushed it. See her now. And she's substantially older than me. And I'm like, you are essentially a fox. You have got the personality. <laughs> you see her in a conversation with anyone. And I'm just like... You just bring joy, but you're weird. You're a weird. I mean, so she's married weird. to obviously Tim Burton, so you've Tim got Burton. to be a, a yeah, level yeah. of weird to sustain that for that long. But I'm yeah. like, your weird kookiness, unashamedly. I love, I love middle aged women, especially when they are weird and they finally kind of the, because society is the way it is, patriarchy, etc. So much of women's internal just weirdness of doing weird shit is stamped out. And normally, right. I find that women. Um, I think Emma Thompson's a bit like this as well. They get to that certain age where, like, I don't give a shit anymore. I'm I just, give a shit. And so I'm going to be yeah. weird, but I'm going to kind of, not consciously, but make up for how I've been repressing my weird, and I'm just going to be crazy weird all the time. Well, but in, not in a horrible way, and I love it. Yeah, that's, I think that's why Helena was so perfect for Margaret. Mm, yes. Because, like, she... And the again, and again, it's funny because the woman who played her in the first, the first two was more to how big Margaret was. You know, it's yeah. like... But then you bring Helena... I mean, you get, you get Helena Bonham Carter, you get Helena Bonham Carter, but, like... They both leaned so hard in to her being just a loon and like having a ball. Like I love, like she knew who she was. She knew what she was. She knew she was despair. She mm-hmm. loved everything about it. And so I think Helena Bottom Carter just captured it so perfectly because like everything that you just said, she's like, I don't want to be the queen. 
I want to be Margaret. Like Margaret's the role. That's the yeah. one you want, right? I mean, like if there, if you can't, I mean, and Olivia Coleman was spectacular, but um, and I love the opening, the transition scenes from from Monarch to Monarch. How they do, they show pictures of the previous ones yes. of them. Like so, in the opening one when Coleman came on and they're getting the new stamp, yes, and they show the old stamp with Claire Foy, and she's like very clever. So good, and she does the ch- the tap under her the, under under her chin. So it was very good. Is uh, Vanessa Kirby is the actress who played the plays. early Margaret? Yeah, phenomenal, absolutely uh, amazing. And I just all, think all the Margaret, casting is it's spot on. Yeah, and I think she really. Um, I think yeah, it's a fun role to play, and and you get in the same who plays Anne in each each season. The the, yes. the characters play Anne because again, she get you can just those, and again, I feel like Princess Anne also is kind of like can be a little rogue and she can mm-hmm. say whatever she wants. She can get away with more. And so I think like the actors who play her too are also having a lot of fun, especially in that middle season when they're younger. That's my um, favorite Anne. Yeah. That's... Yeah. Yeah. She's very good. She was very charming. And you were just like, but also you felt bad for her. Like you could see her feeling bad for Charles, but you could also see how you could feel bad for her. And it was like very, but she's always, and again, the the one who won't be, you know, the one who can't be the the crown, you, there's always that thing. And of course, with Harry, it's the same thing. I think there's this, there's the public has a fascination with them. Yeah. And especially because this family is only the, in the monarchy because of their uncle. Yeah. Making a choice like none of them. So like this whole thing that you've got Charles, you've got Anne, you've got, or you've got Harry, you've got Anne. Yeah, because pre Margaret, it's pre World War Two, yeah, the the basically the, about aware, and I know this again from the Crown. Um, the <laughs> Queen's dad, King George the Sixth, was it? I think sixth, whatever or, he became. Um, yeah, the King George know. the something. He was the younger brother. The only reason he became king is because his brother abdicated from the Crown and basically disgraced the family, and then World War Two falling in love, and of course yeah. you know it's well, a good I mean, choice because he was a Nazi, so it's probably oh, he good. Was, yeah, and he uh, yeah, and the, the Crown is <laughs> an episode that does kind of go into that, and it's like I mean, there's also huge issues with the monarchy historically both modern times and you know, very recent history and going back the generations of racism and all kinds of issues yeah. and a lot of colonialism is heralded by the monarchy so let's not forget that but i'm not gonna it's, forget that no, you won't i i'm trying to remind myself because the crown is such a good show and i kind of loosely really forget good. about those things but i'm like yeah. the crown is such a good show because it made me interested in britain in a way because it, it shows the history of britain since just before world war ii but from the perspective of the royal family and although certain things are dramatized and i did look up quite a few things and there was little the broad strokes are correct and obviously they can't know the conversations but there are certain instances where it's like oh this character's at the party and they're like they never were and i'm like why right. why put the amount you've added to the plot of having them there compared to how much you take out for historical reasons like there's certain things i know why they did xyz but there's other things i'm like why did why did they not do that like there's this isn't a spoiler or anything but in the last season five and six of the crown there's two members of the royal family who are quite prominent members who are just never in it just right. and there's no falling out with the actors who played them there's no controversy of them like there is with you know, andrew or anything like that it is literally just they're in one scene very briefly and then me and megan were like they haven't shown up again what happened and i looked up i was like maybe they've there's Andrew kind of stuff there. No, yeah. one of them does like a production company and it's, it's just because they were loosely not relevant. And I'm like, but they were at certain events and you, you cast the actors. You just, right. put so them. just use them. Yeah. yeah. But it may be, that's what we say with historical dramas is like, watch them and get yourself interested, but then make sure you do error correct in a sense. Well, and I would say too, if you, if you, if you're fascinated, if you're done, if you've got a fix, I would say watch Victoria. I've heard, I've heard that's good. Mm. I have got. I, I do want to download. I've got on my Audible wish list, but I probably won't get to it till next year. Yeah. Harry's 
autobiography spare. I've heard oh, mixed yeah. things about it, but I'm just like, I'm kind, I'm loosely interested in the concept of the spare. I know they say it in the crown quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, the air and the spare. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I remember when I saw that was going to be the title of his book. I was like, oh damn. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just call, just calling it out. Um, because that's what they are. But yeah, I would say watch Victoria because again, the the interesting thing about Victoria and I that was really good. The show, the acting is superb. The sets are beautiful. It's awesome. Um, and again, sometimes we'd be watching it and we'd be like, huh. And so I don't know if it was ITV or BBC for you. It was on PBS for us. So, but um, there were three seasons of it. COVID shut it down. They're all great. Um, the there's again the the accidental king in there because like Vicky. Victoria's oldest daughter. Hmm. Everybody says, and even Bertie, her son, who goes on to be Edward, the whatever. Um, <laughs> even he was like, as he aged, thought Victoria, his sister Vicky, should be quick. Like she's smart. She's can pick up languages. She has social skills. Yeah. Like he didn't, but because he was the boy, firstborn son, even though Vicky was older. So it's a really interesting look too at the way. And again, how Victoria comes to be the monarch is totally accidental and rufus sewell is in it um he plays the prime minister for a while he's excellent and so the the supporting cast they get to come in again really interesting stuff and um um i find victoria fascinating um how do you know about the monarchy and stuff because i assume you weren't taught it in school like what what piqued your interest uh, about it where do you well just i mean just reading what you reading you're not really a fan of books though are you i am a big fan of books are you most of it it is it is a lot of it is historical fiction a lot of it is just the characters exist in books right so the austin characters the monarchy is alive and well um the bronte books so a lot of it starts there and it's like you said you get yourself interested and then you're like well the fictional version of this person the fictional version of this queen the fictional version of this king whatever and then you so then you chase it down. So a lot of times it could just be a movie. It could be a work of historical fiction or whatever. But again, I grew up, I'm a Gen Xer. And so keep in mind, I we were part of the Charles and Diana TV mm. thing. So my, I was very young when that happened. I had no concept. We watched, I mean, we saw it on TV. Like the whole country stopped to watch mm. watch their wedding. And so like my mom worked in an elementary school for a short time and my elementary school. And uh, um, one of her... Um, one of the other teacher's aides there, uh, Chris Mayle, they're from England. The males are from England. Mm. And so we were just sort of friends with them. So I grew up with these three British, like Tracy and- Are they the uh, friends what, who got you Terry Stocker oranges? Or they that's fr- them. Yeah. That is them. Go. Yeah, yeah. That's how I first- So so it's sort of, we just sort of knew about it. And then again, when I didn't know anything, I mean, as young as I was, when I didn't know anything, I went to the library. You talked about like- being 13 and having a phone and Jack was talking about when his, when his oldest hit 11 and could walk himself home, they, he finally got his phone. And it's funny. I think about like being seven is just walking alone to the library. I don't, like, I'm not sure I was ever alone at that age apart from all the time, like maybe came, in the toilet and in bed. The most time I was uh, by myself was when I was in bed asleep air quotes with my globe. I had one of those globe lights, like a nightlight. Yeah, a globe. Sure. I had one of them and I used to leave it on reading all night. night. And it used to get so sure. bad that the light bulb would bur- burn the top of the thing where the glow bit connects yeah. because I'd, I'd leave on all night reading. So, yeah, sorry. That's the yeah. Wrong. yeah, no, no, it's fine. So, like, but, my, you know, growing up in the 70s and then, you know, like be, I was born in 73 and then, you know, then being, you know, uh, like a single age, becoming 10 and a teenager in the 80s. Oh, yeah, we just did. Like, we were just gone wandering around like so like we, my grandparents had the farms so we spent our whole summers on the farm every day all day and on the weekends and stuff during the school year but like even then you could just kind of just go and be out and they would be like be home by dark and like 
literally my there was like a bell they rang the bell and it was loud enough there was like by the door and that meant get your ass home um when my my parents had it we would go camping sometimes on the weekends during the summer so like the farm because of jesus um the market's closed my we had a fruit farm my grandparents did and so you'd literally six days a week you'd get up crack a dawn eat breakfast go to the market and you there's like six lanes and you would bring your wares in. We have three or four trucks of whatever we were selling and you'd get in line. And then there would be a lottery every morning and whatever lane you were in got to go first. So if you got in the wrong lane, so we always had three trucks. So we had a 50% chance of going first, but wow. you know, 50% chance of going last too. So you'd get there like five o'clock in the morning. Cause it was literally lining up. So the sooner you could get your truck unloaded, the sooner you could get home, but then you'd get home and the workers, the, the migrant workers that my grandparents paid to pick all their fruit were working all morning. We'd come and then we'd go out to the field and bring it in on the tractors and we'd pack fruit and we'd have lunch. And then we'd pack fruit until the, until the trucks were full for the next day. So all of that to say my grand, my parents had a camper. And so we would camp on the weekends. And then after my grandparents lost the farm, when I was 12, we spent more time, a little bit more time at the campground on the weekends. But um, even like seven, eight, nine, they'd be like, I would just wander out. I slept in a tent. My parents had a trailer. I had a tent. I just slept in the campsite next to them yeah. by myself in a tent with my books and my comics and everything. And um, so, yeah, we just did whatever. And so my little town um, where I lived, there was a, the library was maybe a mile and a half, two miles from my house. And then later it moved a little bit closer, but I would just go. I'd get on my bike and just be gone. And I'd leave the house at like, Eight you in the by yourself at these times, or would you meet up with friends and stuff? Sometimes I'd meet up with my cousin Noom. Sometimes it'd be friends, but a lot of times I'd be by myself, just go, just wander around or go hiking. Well, we had a dog, um, Augie was his name, Augie Doggy, and he would sometimes go with me. Um, but yeah, a lot of times it's just me wandering about. Like, and you know, I was a latchkey kid, so I would just come home alone. So my sister's four years older than me, and we didn't get out of school at the same time. So even like kindergarten, I would just come home and I'd get off the bus. And then I have to walk from the road where the bus was to my house, which is about half a mile. And then I just let myself in and just be home until my until my sister got home. And then she'd get home. And then it would be two of us. So like a five-year-old and a nine-year-old just home alone until whatever our parents got home. I don't think I was home alone at all until I was 10 or 11. And that was only when they'd go out for like a meal without me, which was quite rare. Mm. Uh, on certain weekends, I'd be... It was, yeah. it was when I got to like 13, 14. I think 14 was the real equits mature age sure and i'd go into yeah. like, the town with friends like that we'd call for each other you know go to each other's yeah houses and stuff like that certain friends did that earlier than others but yeah I was if never... you wanted your friends too like so in the new in the in the new book the third one that i'm working on it takes place in the 80s uh, late 1989 1990 so like phone calls were expensive so there's like this whole thing i write about phone calls in this book about how expensive it is to make phone calls and you know like in the time of the internet and the time of smartphones you don't think about your phone plan like you pay 50 dollars a month and that just is everything you can call like international calls like we can call we can use the internet like we could use whatsapp to call or whatever if you have facetime if you have uh if we both had iphones we could talk on the phone but you know Back then, like you couldn't even call across town. If it depends on where the lines were, it could be long distance. So 
if, if you had a friend who was in town, but it was technically a long distance call, you just ride your bike over or just walk over and see if they were around. Or sometimes you just ride your bike by their house and see if they were out in their yard. And then if they were, you'd go by and hang out. If not, you just ride by and they weren't there. You didn't see them that day. Um, so, so like that was, that was just it. And then we, every, there were pay phones. And so again, things weren't free. So we had a, we had a system. If you'd call, and let it ring twice. Like if you were at a basketball game and you wanted to get picked up because the game was over, you'd call and let it ring twice and hang up. And then that meant your parents to know to come pick you up. Mm. But if something changed, you would call and you would make a collect call, but they would deny the charges. So a collect call is you pick it up, you don't have money for the payphone, <clears throat> And you pick it up and you'd say, call this number, I need to make a collect call. And so while the operator is connecting and they're like, so they would answer and say, we have a collect call from Tony. They could hear my voice so I could talk over the top of the operator. And then they would say, deny the charge. Yep. So you could just be like, the game's in overtime and then hang up. And then wow. they heard it, didn't have to pay for the call. Like we were cheap. Like, again, I've said before, I didn't know we were broke until I went to college. Like I didn't know. I thought we were just working class families. So, like those are the tricks that we did to save money. Um, you know, long, all that stuff. So it was just like wandering around aimlessly didn't cost anything going to the library didn't cost anything so like i learned a lot of stuff so again you'd watch something you'd read something you'd see something so you'd see diana and charles get married you don't know anything about it go get a book on the monarchy Hmm. that would be a thing i would do like i would read i like historical fiction leads me to fiction so like for you it's like the crown is historical fiction but then you read the book Right. So I've read, I just recently, the reason Mary Queen of Scots, I've read several books about Mary and Elizabeth, but I just read another one. It was called Young Queens and Mary Queen of Scots was one of the three. So I've read, so it's like the third book I've read on Mary. On, <laughs> on Mary. Wow. That's She's, what... It's it's fascinating. It's just one of those things where I find, and I, I've read, I've read several books on Victoria. Hmm. She fascinates me. I just, I think specifically monarchs, female monarchs, like I don't hmm. really know a ton about George. I don't know a ton about Edward. I don't know. I mean, we know about Henry because of Anne Boleyn and because of Elizabeth. Like, you know more about their dads. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the but the female monarchs always have fascinated me mm. because um, boss, like to pull that shit, like, you know, the whole country like is technically loves you, but they also hate you because yeah. you have a vagina. A hundred percent. It's, it's all those fuck? years ago. It was literally just like randomly is like, okay, we're doing this weird borderline blood ritual thing to make you the most powerful person not only in this country and this nation but also arguably europe and then at some point the world Definitely making the you world. this thing and you're like okay it's by this weird blood thing right but it's only boys right unless there are no boys then it can be a girl it's like right so you're saying that women are capable no no, no. women are inferior beings in every single <laughs> way and can't vote or or think or read or do anything like that they're baby makers but but with this weird blood ritual, you want to make these people that you're claiming can't do anything to become the most powerful individual in the whole world. Yeah, it makes complete yeah. sense. And you're like, total. What? I mean, I'm glad. I, I think that probably the women being in power ha- help, as in uh, as many issues as there are with the monarchy. I suspect that there being queens in the British monarchy over the last however many centuries has probably been more beneficial for women's rights you know for I'd be, the world yeah for, for, I, I would be everybody. very yeah. i think especially recently with uh queen victoria the second is that a quick is that the queen who just passed elizabeth away? the second elizabeth, elizabeth the second. why did yeah, i say yeah. because you've been mentioning victoria i should yeah, known yeah. as elizabeth the second because yeah, yeah. they call elizabeth in um yeah yeah uh, lilibet in the crown Lilibet. but yeah um yeah. 
it's it's one of those like she especially like there's so many scenes in the crown where i where it's talking about certain things and there's a lot of prime ministers who are a lot of bravado and they realize they go into the room with the queen and any misstep she has the power she never does but she has the power to step you back in line and yeah. it's one of those interesting things and it's it's one of those bizarre things because not always but there's a i think a high percentage of individuals in the uk who are royalists who are like super for the monarchy and will not take any criticism they are generally more conservative leaning and generally sure. more conservative leaning people are less progressive with a woman's place in the world which of course is completely equal to men it's this yeah. really weird thing where people who worship the queen more than anything are also the ones saying that women are inferior to men in some way or at least passively thinking or acting like that and i'm like i the cognitive dissonance it's you insane. must have to to have those opinions is so baffling to me but it's so widespread and it's so weird and so frustrating which is a part of the reason again why i've always steered away from monarchy related politics because i'm like sure uh, they they didn't we no one voted them in they're just this you know family on a power trip through a, a weird bloodline they've had this huge amount of history to the uk whether or not they make more money for the country or cost them more i know that's a hot debate all the time i don't really know that well every time i look into it, it seems to be a different answer but it, it it's one of those strange things where like i never delved into it but some people are so so passionate and i just think it's it's, it's yeah, bizarre it's to not me. passionate it's more just interest for me i just find it oh, no, fascinating yeah, i'm not saying you i'm talking about these no royalists. no but i get it yeah. and the people who are royalists totally get it. and the, the favorite thing though like here's a fun thing to like bring up to the royalists is like here's a fun thing to just consider that queen elizabeth and prince philip love story of the ages both of them queen victoria was both of their grandmothers yeah just sit with that yeah just sit with that like just sit with that and like that was actually one of the things because in the young queen's book so um elizabeth with an s not not your british elizabeth but your but your french elizabeth who then went on to be the queen of spain because interestingly you talk about queens if there's a king his bride is the queen but if it's a queen her husband is a prince yeah, very clearly putting that line. That's a very, You'd think it wouldn't happen, would you? You'd think, oh, because this is an excuse to get... Because the king always usurps. Yeah, exactly. It's so there, But you're... Because the, the king, Philip, he was not... He doesn't have the blood. He was royal enough to marry in, because obviously his, his grandma was... The, they have the same grandma. Gross. But anyway, <laughs> one, of the, one of the people, and I think it's... I, uh, I can't remember who it was, but there was one member of the royal family who they said he had four... So you should have two, you should have four grandparents, eight great grandparents, and 16 great great grandparents, right? He had six great grandparents. No, four great grandparents and only six great great grandparents. That's yeah. how inbred he was. That's that's what that's a problem too. So when people are super royalist, you're like, let's just let's just calm down about this weird blood feud thing. If you ever read Garth Ennis's Preacher, they kind of thought, which is a hard read, I understand. But again, if you read Preacher, towards the end of Preacher, when the when it's kind of jumping the shark a little, there is a, um, you see what happens when you keep inbreeding a bloodline for centuries. Mm -hmm. uh, did you ever read Preacher? No, no, I haven't. I've seen trailers of the ad adapted TV show. That's as far and as I, I've gone. The show is pretty good. Um, you know, it was Seth, Seth Rogen, produced it and he was yeah, a big fan of the show i, I yeah. think when he was producing that as one of my big seth rogan phase of trying yeah, yeah. to consume everything he did it's really good i would say like i would say give it give it a shot um uh the the woman who plays rose is is exceptional um 
And of course, her name is eluding me right now, and it'll pop up in a second. Um, but I would say give it a watch. But anyway, um, but in that, it towards the end of the comic run, there's this conversation about how inbreeding goes wrong. So again, I just find it fascinating. I do think it's it's kind of like so. I was ranting in our Discord about like my stupid governor just dropped out of the presidential race and literally spent hundreds of millions of dollars. And my joke was to make like 27 people in Iowa pledge fealty to him and say they like him. And it's true because like in Iowa, it's the big thing in America. The first caucus is Iowa, but it's not a vote. It's not a primary. It's a caucus. Literally the way that it works is you go to a caucus site and you stand around in certain bunches and you're like, I'm going to vote for this guy. I'm going to vote for this gal. And then you like, can you can auction off? You can be like, no, I'm going to go over here. It doesn't look like this person's going to win. So I'll switch my vote until the end of the night. You literally move around a gym, say. So like somebody's like, he won, like Trump won the Iowa caucus by 50%. Now, okay, that's true. He did. He got 50% of the Iowa caucus vote, but like only about 14% of registered Republicans actually vote in the caucus. And it's not really, you're not really voting in that way. So it's like truly... 50,000 people picked him out of the whole state of Iowa, out of the whole 300 million people in America. But it's like, oh, he's going to win because he won. Because 50,000 people in a state of 3 million people said they like him in a cold gym on a Monday night in the middle of January. I mean, that's how stupid it is. So it's like, those are the things like... That's what I feel like with the, like you were trying to like explain the weird. It's like it's so weird. It's like some weird fluky thing that got you here, and it it's not it's not a majority. It's not even a plurality. It's just like eight people standing around, and they decided. So when you go back, that's how that's what the monarchy fascinates me because you're like the decisions that it make. Like if one thing went the other way, if one bullet was this way, like if like what happens if Archduke Ferdinand doesn't die, mm. right? Not only does world you don't get you may still have gotten World War One because you still tried to kill him, but what happens if he doesn't die? Like I often think in my country, like my alternate reality story, if I could ever write one, I would love to hear what yours is. Is Jimmy Carter wins a second term? So the real who do you, so it, Jimmy, do you lose against George W? No, no, George Jimmy Carter lost to Reagan. Reagan, that's it. Sorry, I'm getting. Yeah, my, yeah, he lost in 1980. Right. So, like, just before he leaves the White House, he put solar pa- panels on the roof of the White House. He would go on TV. There was an energy crisis when he was president, and I remember, I remember it. Like, he's my president. Jimmy Carter is my 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 guy. He was doing charity work when he was like 97 years old. I think. Like, yes, wasn't it? Yes, 99. He's still wow. he's still with us. It was his wife that just died. He was like a he was in the Navy. He's just this amazing guy love him but anyway he would actually go on tv and he'd like have a sweater on and he did this whole like fireside chat like fdr but he would like turn the thermostat down in the white house he's like we all have to do our parts we're gonna all like he was all about if he had been president i mean seriously the world would be totally different not that there'd be flying cars but we would have hydrogen cars well also reagan's obviously policies you know very much the war on drugs got reignited with nancy reagan's you know yeah, right. stupid propaganda yeah. just say no to drugs you've solved the crisis that you created no Cor- right well and it didn't solve anything <laughs> no, it only it's made never it worse had. you can't and so, choice is insanity right. sorry it's, it is no no it's true but like so that to me like in my own history in my own life the moment I would like to see the alternate history is Jimmy Carter getting reelected. So we watched the For All Mankind show on Apple TV, which is like an alternate history that takes place like the Russians land on the moon first and the first person on the moon is a woman. 
That's mm. the reality. But like all the real characters still exist. Like Buzz Aldrin's still there. Like these, but they've created different characters, and like sometimes they real people show up, and sometimes they don't. But this whole series is this alternate reality of what happens if the space race doesn't end, and women were in space too. It's amazing. It's amazing. There's like a woman president, and she's gay, and it's super cool. And it's like, but it follows things. So I, I love that show for all those reasons. So I so for me. The, the reading about the monarchy and stuff is always interesting to know it's like such a weird fluky thing mm. and it and like you said it changes you guys are like a little tiny island in the middle of a bunch of cold water and you conquered the world mm. like like victoria it took her a long time to actually get to india for the first time but she was in charge of it they would send her stuff from india she's like i should probably go yeah you think you you it's your, so anyway, so what's your, if you could alternate history, like what's your moment in your life? It'd have to be in your life. Like you're alive. Mm, yeah, it, so from the day, is there a moment in time where you're like. Diana not dying. I Diana think. not that's dying. That's in my life. Only because of the crown recently. If, if, if it was before my life, there's other things that I'd be more mm-hmm. intrigued by. You know, like what if, what if when America chose their language, if they'd actually chosen French instead of English. Like, I wonder how... It was how... actually between English and German. Sorry. Believe it or not. Yeah, it's fine, it's only because I still, get confused because yeah. Canada speaks French. Canada, Canadian, obviously, French. And obviously, they but the Spa- to do both. So Spanish yeah. went over there, but the languages were between English and German, but Canada yeah. speaks French. Uh, and then, you know, obviously, South America's, uh, you <laughs> know, Spanish, Spanish, and then also Portuguese. randomly Portuguese. So yeah. anyway... Yeah. nonsensical and let's not even get into the caribbean islands um yeah. because that's a whole other kettle of fish it's a whole like, different kind of language yeah, yeah what what if a a the, the big history one would be what if columbus never found america like what sure. what would have actually happened there um or what if america's native language wasn't english like how would that have changed the world because i feel like a lot of what's changed a lot of the reason why england is pseudo still in power apart from the gdp and how much money and stuff a lot of it is because the world's most powerful nation speaks our language and is kind of like our kid I know that the yeah, made yeah. from Europe, but like it was like, oh yeah, here's a group of kids that are going to go off and uh, make it. And all the parents were like, yeah, you go. And us, we were like, you know what? If we, we we're mad at you, but we still kind of like you. And then we had the the Civil War stuff, and that was like yeah. the testy time of our relationship. And then after that, we repaired it, and we're like your biggest ally. So it's a weird thing that we have that be, I think part of it is language, you know? Sure. Um, because language, I think I'm not a religious person, but my favorite story in the Bible is the Tower of Babel. You know, obviously we're sure. both reading. I just well, you I probably finished. just finished it. There you go. Because you yeah. read things at light speed. Um, I'm on like page 100. Um, I haven't picked yeah. it up for a while because I'm reading a lot of Moon Knight comics. It's fascinating. It, I'm it very takes excited. a turn. There's a, there's a part. I can't wait for you to read it because there's a part in there. I was like, do we need this part? And then because yeah. it. There's but a lot you'll of get there. brutal bits at the start, and I'm like, certain bits happen. I'm like, whoa! But the yeah. the whole the reason that book t- caught me so much, and I want to read it, is because the Tower of Babel story. I love it, which is yeah. Er- according to the Bible, everyone on Earth spoke the same language. They built a tower up to the heavens, basically. And God, this is layman's terms, shortening a very big story. Layman's terms, and he was like, no, you're not going to build a thing up to the heavens, destroy the the tower, and spread all you out. And now everyone in different continents and countries all speak different languages, so you can't communicate with each other and work together to make it up to heaven because Which, old testament god is a bit of a dick a bit of yes a genocidal maniac <laughs> and it's like let's just reset let's just murder billions of people let's try again you know noah let's go um but like <laughs> the whole concept of that story is meant to be fear god but i always took it as could you imagine what power humans would have if we all spoke the same language and how many wars and things wouldn't happen if we all spoke the same language not even just because with language it's so weird because you look at the mental the chemistry of a one's mind when you speak your own native language and become multilingual but also the way 
in loose terms, this is not like for every individual, but for example, the way a French individual, a native French speaker has grown up speaking French, the way they would in some ways perceive the world and explain things is different to an English person who's done the, who's lived through the same life because the language in itself, there are different words and different meanings and, you know, the way languages are all kind of set up, there's different rules and things. And so certain languages lend themselves to either certain ways of thinking or there's, you know, there's the, the, the jokes which is like, oh, England have... 20 words for beige but you know france has three words for this and it's that joking loose anecdote thing that people say the language it really does change a lot of what someone is and even when you become bilingual or multi or uh, multilingual when you can speak As several you know languages, you're about to marry a polyglot so you well, yeah, know exactly that. she yeah. speaks you know yeah. <laughs> uh, four languages basically fluently um and right. I'm, i've spent the last two years learning italian for 10 minutes a day and i could just about get by and i know it was a smidge of french but it's like the, the brain chemistry changes and i'm like that would be something really interesting even though that's not even a thing that's happened sorry that was yeah that's why my no, thought I, came I, from I, there. You know, I always thought i've always thought so, like, we have American Sign Language, you have British Sign Language, whatever. I always that thought angers me it, that that even exists, that there's two different ones. And exactly. I'm like, if when I found that been, out, it livid. But it's like, so if they had just made, and I know there is a universal sign language, but it's so it's so new that nobody, if everyone, so that's the thing. We could all, Babel could be real. We say Babel over here. Yeah. Um, all of that stuff could be real. But if we had just created a universal sign language, then that is the language everybody could speak. So if I could learn it, you could learn it, it wouldn't matter. And then somebody from China learns it, somebody from German learns it. Then we all speak the same sign language. And I know sign language only usually has like 13, 15,000 words, but that's what you need to get by. And yeah. then, because now I know the sign language, our signs the same, I can learn your spoken language, and then I can eventually learn your written language. So if I, if we have the same 13,000 base words, and you're like book, and you teach me book and sign, and then I learn book in English, I say book, and then you say book in whatever your language, and then you say that, and then what's book in Italian? Yeah. Well, it's the we reason can learn it that way. And so that would be a cool way to break it down. So I've always thought that too, but we didn't do it because we're stupid. Yeah, well, there is a language called uh, Esperanto, um, which actually gets referenced in Red Dwarf uh, quite a lot, mm. which is really interesting. Because um, when we watched it in Red Dwarf, uh, it happened because me and Megan have been making our way through the seasons because she's never seen it, and I adore it. Um, she Esperanto came, and she said, what language are they saying? And I was like, oh, I didn't catch it. And then we had we put subtitles on just so we could hear what they said. And it was Esperanto. She's like, that's not a language. Is that made up for Red Dwarf? And I was like, I, I don't think it is. I was like, I'm pretty sure... That's like a, a real thing. So I looked it up and there's a language that someone made. Um, I think I might have spoken about it briefly in Afterthoughts. I can't remember off the top of my head. But yeah, in 1887, someone basically created a guy called L.L. Zamenhof, created a language made from several other languages that was meant to be the universal language for the world. But obviously, the only way that would work is if every country agreed to have that as a secondary language. And the problem is, even by 1887, like the, that was, you know, 100 years after the Declaration of Independence was signed and all kinds of other th stuff like that, where English and you know in other places you know like uh cantonese for example um that's a very big spoken language sure it's already kind of formed it was already a bit late. Too late if someone had did that sort of if shakespeare had written in esperanto for example maybe it could have changed the course of of that but that is something i've i've thought about that's why I was, I was looking down on my phone at which was yeah. for esperanto but the, the sign language thing i thought about learning sign language at one point obviously now i'm trying to learn italian yeah but i'm like why do people not like it I'm not even a person who has who's hearing impaired, but it frustrates me that people aren't just taught. Okay, we're taught French and stuff in school, um, and even though Spanish should really be taught because it's yeah. more used than French. Um, but 
Default is French. You guys school. speak French. You guys are so our French default because second of your, is yeah because French. of where you are. Yeah, yeah, but Spain is this almost the same distance. It's it's and yeah, also more people. Yeah, but the Queen Mum the... owned the Channel Islands, and that's like right next to France. Come yeah. on. But no, barely anyone speaks, but so few people speak French compared to Spanish. That's the frustrating thing is, you sure. know, you've got France, you've got Belgium, you've got Canada, and then you've got certain African nations as well. And aside from that, there's not really many others. Whereas Spanish, for example, you've got whole regions in Europe, as well as many Spanish islands, and then yeah. the vast majority of South America. And Central and then, America. Yeah, and also, and Central, of course, because of Mexico. And then also on top of that, Portuguese is a very similar language to Spanish. Spanish kind of came from Portuguese originally. Right. So, and Megan says, if you speak Spanish well enough, and someone's speaking Portuguese, you could just about get by. There'll be a is few. That little, right? Wow. Okay. Yeah, there'll be I a few little. That. They're very similar languages. In I think she said the grammar's quite different, but the the words they use in a certain pronunciation. But if you were talking, you could get by. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's that kind of thing. So it's like Spanish is is more. You know, the the most spoken language thing on earth is Cantonese, just because of the volume of people. And then I think English is like second or third, and Spanish is the other one because uh-huh. it's just spanish is spanish and english are both very widespread like they're they're the two most common secondary languages in the world wouldn't which have is, anything to do with that colonizer talk we had earlier oh no well the spanish inquisition going around the holy wars <laughs> and the end of the dark ages no what no all what? those all those uh, incans and mayans we see running around all the day all the time there oh, wait, no. there's like a yeah. small oh, collection of them in mexico yeah. <laughs> who live near chichen itza of a small right. village of a few thousand people left yeah. after went in there and just wiped it all yeah yeah. So what is your thing? So in your life. Oh, so sorry. Princess Diana. So what would I, that mean? How so, would it change? Like, because I think if Carter had been reelected, we'd be driving hydrogen cars and there'd be a lot fewer wars. There'd be a lot of things. Be like the world would just be in a different footing of peace and prosperity hmm. and climate. Truly, truly. If yeah. he is. But like, so, but she was such a humanitarian too. So what, what could you see? So Reagan is elected. Thatcher's elected. Yeah. Diana lives. How does that how I does that alter things, do you think? The caveat would have to be Diana lives a long time, as in she'd still be alive today. That would sure. have to be the caveat. Because the problem is I feel like the path she was going down she Again, a lot of this is from The Crown and stuff I looked up up since The Crown. But what seems like is she was already quite, and Rhea knows quite a lot about this. She was already quite, and I don't like to use this word, but it's just for ease, quite a damaged person. She had a lot of issues, a lot of baggage going on before she even got involved in the royal family. Then that just exacerbated everything. Then it seemed like she was coming out the other side before the crash. She was actually starting, she was kind of at the worst, and then she was starting to recover. If she'd have continued on that trajectory and kind of sorted herself out and focused, like hyper-focused on charity work and being a mum and all that jazz, I wonder if her impact on the world would have been greater, if the world would have been kinder. It's kind of like, the way I think about it in a, in a way is when Obama was in power, regardless of your thoughts on his politics, the general attitude of America was more closely aligned with Obama. When Then when you go, like the way he spoke, the way he held himself, what a nation values in certain ways sure and when trump got involved regardless of your political views um or even your personal thoughts on trump he was very impactful and then his impact on america as a whole obviously the capital city riots being uh, at the kind of peak of that kind of exacerbation yeah him as an individual what he did to the nation and how he made so many different people feel i feel like diana could have had that power and if done if she'd have gone down that road in the right way we would be a more compassionate Britain. I don't think Brexit would have happened. I don't really? think. That'd yeah, be amazing. I mean, it, it was very close. It was like one percent difference, and I feel like if it's a vote, and there's a lot of close, people who didn't vote. 
Yeah, and I feel like if it's a vote that that is that close, when you've got a one percent difference, just say, okay, we're going to table this for now. We'll do it again in five or ten years. Like, why? You can't. You you don't let our politics. If the if the vote isn't a substantial majority in our political system, the the votes it stops. It goes right. Okay, well, you both got fifty five and forty five percent. That's not enough. We're doing it again. That's how our politics works. That's why there's coalition governments in the past because they've gone, oh, we've got this amount and you've got that amount. If we combine, we've got enough to be this Correct, majority. Yeah. yeah, that's and how so you guys I feel work. Like, we don't work that way, but you do. Yeah. yeah. And so if you think realistically, it was one percent difference because it was fifty-one, or is it was like fifty-one, fifty-two percent to forty-eight, forty-nine percent? Uh, ignoring all the misinformation and stuff was about. I just think there's enough people who could have been swayed by a compassionate leader figure Her. to sway that two percent because she's even. Tr- but it wouldn't even have to, you know what? It, it wouldn't even have been persuading the two percent. It would have been getting the other people out to, to vote. vote. And exactly. that to me, that's the most important thing to me. It's like I live in a state that when we moved here was a purple state, and we yeah. meet, what that means is that it was like some like it vote people vote you know, they voted for Obama, they voted for you know Romney. So you know that's interesting. That's I kind of want to live in a purple state. I want that. I want there to be because purple means compromise. Yeah, it's but. And the thing is, is DeSantis only won by a razor margin his first election, and it was the guy he ran against was pretty flawed, and he had a drug problem, and he had some corruption and whatever, and all that other stuff. So if it had been a different candidate, I think DeSantis wouldn't have won. But he barely won. And then by the second election, he like rolled the guy over. And But during COVID, he was like all the crazy stuff, and now he's all the, you go woke, you go broke, and I just hate him. Really, truly, he's the worst. But- it's just like that. It's like one. It's it, it. It's the people who in that first election, the one that he barely won. If five hundred thousand more people voted, or fifty thousand more people voted, Trump won Michigan. Trump won Wisconsin. Trump won Pennsylvania by a combine of fourteen thousand votes. Now I'm going to throw my mother under the bus because she's not going to listen. And that's the end of part one. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, my friends, part two will be out on this very feed at the same time next week. But if you can't wait that long, please go over to patreon.com slash genuinechitchat and consider subscribing for £1 a month and you'll immediately get access to part two as well as over 200 bonus episodes of Afterthoughts, which are book reviews and TV and movie reviews. A lot of stuff where myself and Megan review stuff, but also there's quite a few bonus things on there where it's just myself. So if you want to support the show and get bonus content, please consider going to patreon.com slash genuine chits chat what's coming up next week though well myself and tony continue our conversation we speak about like close political voting and political apathy the importance of language and compassion we then delve into religion a little bit again and then delve back out again and then we talk about welcome to mansfield tony's first published novel in the austin chronicles shared universe which i spoke about briefly in the intro We talk about the journey that Tony had been on since the book's release and a few other bits and pieces relating to the music of the book and some other cool stuff there. But you don't have to have read the book to enjoy it, but I would recommend you do because the book is fantastic. Make sure to check out all the details in the description, including Tony's website, one of the articles he mentioned and all the other cool stuff that we discussed in this conversation and a little taster of what's to come for part two. I imagine that you've listened to Tony before because he was on the Buffy podcast and he's been on numerous podcasts over the years on Genuine Cheer Chat and on the feed of Comics in Motion. But if you haven't already, go to Indie Comics Spotlight on the feed of Comics in Motion or just type in Tony's name with the Genuine Chit Chat and you can see all the conversations we've had over the years on this very feed. 
In addition to that, what is coming up? Well, we've got Disney Discussions 11 due for recording very shortly. That is where Rhea is going to be hosting, and it is going to be regarding two mouse films, which is quite exciting. I've also got a podcast due for recording with Scott Weatherly of the 20th Century Geek. We're going to be talking about his recent book, which is a collection of Moon Knight essays. So I've been brushing up on my Moon Knight. I rewatched the Disney Plus show, which I already loved and loved even more on the rewatch. I reread the 80s run. I'm reading the 2006 run. There's also like a 2013 run and a few other runs of Moon Knight as well. So it's going to be a big old Moon Knight conversation. So lots of fun there. We've also got Clone Wars Conversations Season 2 Part 1 due for recording as well shortly after that. And I've got a few other bits and pieces going on in the background as well with certain guests that you have not heard before. So uh, all in the midst of planning all these things, there's lots of cool stuff going on. There's a little drips and drabs of Star Wars that are going to be popping up as well. But for the time being, for this coming year, it's just going to be either some familiar faces talking about unfamiliar subjects or vice versa. So we will see how that all goes. But obviously you can support me by going to patreon.com slash genuine chit chat, as I've already said, but also follow me on social media at genuine chit chat on Instagram, X, Facebook and TikTok and threads as well. I'm on threads too. But pretty much all those places I post basically the same thing. I think Instagram is kind of my main place that I post and TikTok is the place I post the least because I pretty much only post videos on there but following me on any of those places would be appreciated. Also, make sure you share my podcast with anyone that you know, anyone who will enjoy, and on social media, all that jazz. And also, if you haven't already reviewed or rated the show, please do that. It only takes a couple of moments, and it really, really helps the show out, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, on Audible, on Spotify, on anywhere, really, that allows you to leave reviews and things. Please do it. It really, really helps the show out, and I appreciate anyone willing to do it. On Spotify, the reviews are slightly lower than on other podcasting apps. I don't know if that's because less people listen on Spotify. So if you are listening on Spotify right now, please give me a five-star review because it would mean the world to me. But I think that's enough from me, my friends. Just make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feeds. Make sure you check out all the other stuff that I'm doing on Star Wars Comics and Canon and Comics in Motion. Keep an eye out for Comics in Motion number 1000, which should be out, I think, end of February-ish time. So that's a really, really cool episode. And we've got loads of other amazing things coming out as well. But thank you so much for supporting me as always. I appreciate each and every one of you listening all the way up to the very end. I'll talk to you next week with part two of my conversation with Tony Farina. And of course, any Patreon supporters will get an extra episode of Afterthought when part two drops so if you subscribe to the patreon right now you'll not only get the episode with tony in part one and part two but you'll also get two episodes of afterthoughts next week and you'll get to go through the whole back catalogue of 200 episodes of that as well so uh, please consider doing that but anyway thank you so much for tuning in as always i'll talk to you next week and go buy tony's book you have just experienced host creator everything else of genuine chit chat and also the host and creator of star wars comics and canon found on the Comics in Motion podcast, Mike Burton.